Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good evening. My name is Pastor Rick Cardwell, and I'm here at New Beginnings, and it's so wonderful to, to see you all tonight and to be able to spend some time with you. If this is your first time here, there's a button that you can click on. It's a way of us connecting with you so that we can get to know you if you have any prayer requests, anything at all. But it's a way that we can connect with you. I want to thank you during this time that we've, we've been not having church or meeting together until just recently a little bit. But the giving has been supernatural. Uh, we've not lacked in any, any type of finances and they've been coming in. And it's your abundant giving that has allowed us to reach communities through uh, Wall, through Babel, and here, uh, the, in the food kitchen here at Brick as well. So thank you so much for doing that and us being a part of that. At this point, what I'm going to do is, is this is a second part. Last week was the first part, last Wednesday night, on pulling guard in your heart. I'm going to do a little bit of review, and then I'm going to go into two areas. And the, the second one, I'll give you a little preview, a little ahead of time. It's going to be on courtship or dating. And you may think, hmm, I've been married for years. I get it. I have been as well. Or you may be thinking, I'm not interested, or I don't have kids. Well, we all have a part to say because we all have a, a plea. A, a place where we've got children in our life. And it's remodeling the entire process for adults as well, because if we don't get the adults thinking right, we're not going to get the children thinking right either. So it's going to be kind of a, uh, that's going to be the last part. But I wanted to give you a little tidbit before we got started. So in review, last week we were really talking about guarding our heart and protecting our heart. Our lead scripture was Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The Amplified Version says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. To guard is to watch over, to protect or control, to protect from damage or harm. Uh, when I was in the military and on guard detail, we, were, we would often be given something that we had to protect, and you would be on the outside to protect, and no one were to come in unless they had the specific password, but you were to protect it. And we are to guard or protect our heart in the exact same way. The last illustration here or reading would be from the Message Bible, and it says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter and white lies and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshows, distractions. Watch your step, and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left. Leave evil in the dust. My desire from this last week was, was a foundation of guarding our heart, and I wanted you to have an encounter with a loving God and have a divine romance with our God the Father. I wanted your heart completely, 100%, for God with all purity, holiness, fidelity, and faithfulness. Jesus gave us two commandments. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, Jesus said unto them, You shall love the Lord your God, God, God <laughs> with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And verse 39 says, And the second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the final scripture that we used as our basics for last week was blessed, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. That word blessed from the Greek is, would be fortunate, well-off, happy. So in other words, 
if I trans, did a little transliteration here, oh, how happy, fortunate, and to be envied or emulated are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So many times in Christian circles, what we do is we relegate seeing God to the future. And I don't know about you, but I want to know God. I want to see God now. And those that have a pure heart get to experience God. Well, that, I don't have time to go through a full review. That kind of just kind of, we could say, wets the whistle, gets us started. Because throughout the next two points, and I'm going to have a two-point message now going forward, everything is to revert back to protecting our heart because that is where everything stems from. That's our entire issues of life come from the heart. So the two areas that we're going to be covering tonight, the first one is fellowship. And that exact same word from the Greek is at times is translated partnership. So it's going to be one and the same, fellowship and partnership, and I'll go into those specifically. And the, the, the second one, which we're going to spend a little bit more time on, will be courtship or dating. To start with fellowship, the definition for fellowship is a friendly association, especially with people who share interest or beliefs or activities that you do. There's Greek lexicon. The, the, the Greek word here is koinonia. And it means for fellowship, it means association, it means community, it means communion, it means joint participation. Now let me read to you a couple examples of the word fellowship. Acts 2.42 says, And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers. What we have here, Peter has just preached. And he's preached forgiveness of sins. And a lot of people got saved, about 3,000 that day. And at the same time, the next scripture down, what it goes into, it talks about the Holy Spirit was given. And he says it's given to you and your children and those that are far off. And that's why we today have the promise of the Holy Spirit is still good for us today because we are far off from that time frame. And then it continues that as they did this, they all came together in fellowship and they continued in doctrine and breaking of bread and prayers. This fellowship of them coming together is that, what, what, who were they fellowshipping with? These were all believers. They all had the same ideas. They were all in this together. This is who they surrounded themselves with. Another example of the word fellowship is in 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So it's fellowship with him and then fellowship together in the light, and there's a continual cleansing going on. Now the noun form of this Greek word koinonia is partnership. Let me give you an example of that. 2 Corinthians 6.14 from the New American Standard Version Bible. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. This is actually a scripture that's used when we're talking about when we're dating someone or, or getting married to someone. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? It's actually, actually translated both ways here. Fellowship and partnership. That's what I'm saying. It's actually the same word. So I have a question for you that I want you to think about. What group of people... Are you fellowshipping or partnering with? I want you to think. Have you read up or studied on what they stand for? What they represent? Did they have your goals, your vision? Is Jesus the first and main point 
What is their, we could say, mission statement? Where is their money going? You know, there's Christians that are getting involved in a lot of different things. Like I said, this is really a message for Christians of things that, I'm, that I've seen in the, uh, from the body of Christ recently that I haven't seen in years. But what are their goals? What do they stand for? What are they trying to achieve? Well, when I ask people of recent, a lot of these people really don't know. They assume they know, and they'll look at names and think that there's a part of that. But it's so important who you fellowship or who you partner with. I know as a kid growing up, my parents, grandparents, they were constantly, they were so concerned about who I was spending time with, who I was around. What type of person are they? It would be brought up so much that I could, I would typically almost interrupt them. I know, yes, I know it's important of who I'm to be around. I didn't really get it. It would continue. My family would say, you know, you only have one name and your name needs to be good. And I'm like, really? I get it. I get it. And I hate to say, I probably just went ahead and didn't pay much attention to it. Just took it for granted. But folks, it is so important of who you associate with, who you partner with, who you community with. Because I see things quite differently today of where I sit now than when than prior. So what is the thought maybe going through your head right now? Does it really matter that much? You're spending so much time here. Let me tell you what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Now, for this verse to start with, do not be deceived, the Holy Ghost is telling us this is an area that you can be deceived in. Wouldn't take the time to sit there and emphasize that if it weren't true. But the Holy Ghost is saying this is an area you can be deceived in, and we need to make sure that we guard against who we're around because evil company does corrupt good habits. This is the where, the why. It is so important that you are head over heels in love with Jesus because if not, you can get sucked in and start to some of this pollution and thoughts can start to become some of your thoughts. That's why Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. But if you're not head over heels in love with Jesus, it's going to be hard to hear his voice. It's going to be hard to know when he's speaking with you if you're not spending time with the relationship and fellowshipping with him. These relationships will bring confusion. Potentially, we, as I said earlier, a little bit of poison. That's why all of last week was about building a romance with God. I want to ask, or I want you to ask yourself a question. Is this movement, is this group, is this partnering moving me closer to Jesus, or is it pulling me in another direction? I personally, I'm going to tell off on myself, I personally at times have to turn the news off. I have to have to, we could say fast it. <laughs> and when I'm saying turn the news off, uh, it's just maybe my generation of the TV, but that also, uh, in my case, uh, I have Sirius Radio, so I have to turn the Sirius Radio off when I'm in the car. I have to then potentially turn down social media because there's so many different ways that we're fed news. Because at times it will get in my emotions, which is my soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions, and it can start to affect me. I have to just turn it off and fast it. I have to keep what's the real thing, the real thing, which is my first love, active. And I have to protect that. 
And it's funny, not like ha-ha, but it's kind of funny, strange that those times when I'll tell my wife, I've had enough, I don't need to be watching anymore, listening anymore, that will, someone will then walk up to me and will, did you hear what happened on the news? And it's like, really? We have to make decisions to guard our heart. So now I'm believing that as I'm speaking, and of course as you're listening, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart along this line of who you're meeting with, who you're associating with, the time that you're spending with other people, the things that you're participating in. Are they the right relationships? Right now, check your heart. It doesn't take long. Check on the inside. I said last week, and it's worth repeating again, I've never seen so many Christians getting involved in saying things that, that they feel they have to say, they have to point out, to the point that they're actually being bullied or forced into saying things and doing things that they don't even agree with. I've personally seen Christians trying to force people to do things up to the point of becoming combative. Really? I have a close friend out of state who was recently told to take down a Bible scripture by a Christian leader on love that it might be offensive on the day that nothing was to be communicated or posted. It was, quote, unquote, a blackout day, that everything was supposed to be that way. And this person on their private Facebook page put scriptures to deal with love. Now, who is able to keep up with all these social rules? Who's able to keep up with what days we're supposed to and when we're not? By the same token, I'll tell you one thing. For me and my house, we have decided, I've purposed in my heart, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to deny the Lord. I'm not going to deny his word. Because when you deny his word, it's the same as denying him. Is it settled in your heart? Have you made that outright decision? Because if you think it's getting tough now, it's only going to get tougher. If you think you're being persecuted now, it's only going to be persecuted later. And if you're having trouble right now deciding, you need to get it further established so deep inside your heart that you're not going to sell out. You're not going to, 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 come, to, to, to allow that to, to come against you. So is your heart settled for Jesus? Many years ago, when my son was somewhere around high school. I coined an expression. I don't think I heard it someone else, somewhere else. And I told him, you can have an unspoken thought. And I had to mention that to him time in, time out for years. I've used that many times with other people, telling them, just because you think it, it does not have to come out of your mouth. You can have an unspoken thought because it would prevent people from being in so much trouble. But see, in today's counterculture, we're condemned that if we keep silent, that it is somehow wrong that we're going along with the crowd. So where is your conscience? What's bothering you? If it's against the word of God, it's wrong. Keep your mouth shut and do not say anything. Do not let someone quote unquote bully you into being a part or saying a part of something you do not believe in. Let me give you a scripture from James 1.19 from the Amplified Version. Understand this, meaning, in other words, think on it, get it, understand it. Understand this, my beloved brethren, let every man be quick to hear. It says a ready listener. Slow to speak, slow to take offense and get angry. 
See, our beliefs, as I said last week, are, are precious to us because our beliefs are to control what we think, what we say, and what we do. And the Bible there says to be slow to speak, quick to listen. See, we're to listen first. Why do we, why do we listen first? So that you have time to check your heart. It's what's fixing to come out of your mouth in agreement with what's in your heart because we are to guard our heart and we're to respond from our heart. Slow to speak, excuse me, quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to anger or take offense. So I'll ask you, who are you fellowshipping with? Who are you partnering? It's so important today. I don't want to be drawn into anything that Jesus is not leading me into. How about you? Second point. As I said earlier, it's to do with, I don't even like the word courtship, but, but for the purpose of this teaching, I have to use a word for it. I guess you could call it dating. I looked up the definition for courtship, and it says the pursuit, the wooing, the engagement. This is the period during which a, a couple develop a romantic relationship, especially with a view to marriage. This is a subject that is very deep to my heart. It's an area that I've stayed away from preaching, so this is the first time I've ever preached on it, but I've shared this one-on-one -on -one more times than probably any single subject. I want to state, and I'm being transparent, that I did not walk through this personally, meaning I got a hold of this after I'd been saved about eight years, about 22, 23 years ago now. When I got a hold of this, I had to make some changes in my words and in my actions to line up with what I believed. So I have walked through this as a parent with one child, and I'm walking through another with a second. This allows me to not just speak from a, a learned perspective of trying to give you facts, but from some experience of walking through it and continuing to walk through it. See, churches for years have attempted to stay away from this topic of courtship. We know we're concerned about the potential of sex outside of marriage, but we don't want to necessarily focus on the steps prior to this act. For churches for years in Christian circles, it's the act that has been that focal point. It's been the, the bullseye. I would state that for us to look at this fairly, it becomes more of the fruit, not a good fruit. It becomes the, the last step instead of the first step. And tonight, I want to, over the next few minutes, go into what the root of the matter would be. It has been called out, we could say, we could call it out as the end result. So the words courtship and dating are not found in the Bible. We are given some principles that Christians are to go by. And if we look at those during this time prior or before marriage, you may think, well, Brother Rick, well, this does not apply to me due to my age. I've been married for years. I don't have children. But let me stress to you that we all have relationships. And relationships work regardless. I'm sure that you all, at some level, maybe you're a aunt, maybe you're an uncle, maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you're going to have kids. But we all associate with younger people. Maybe they're family members. We all have a role in who we come in contact with. And it's been stated for years, it takes a village to raise a child. 
So the first thing we must do is we must separate from the world's view on dating because God's way contradicts the world. 2 Peter 2.20, the Passion Translation. Those who escape the corrupting forces of this world system through the experience of knowing about our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah, then go back into the entanglement with them and are defeated by them, becoming worse off than they were to start with. What this is talking about is when a person gets saved, they get born again. And then you can get entangled back into the way that the world does things. And if we're not careful, we let how the world dictates in the area of courtship or dating to impact us into church. Is it no wonder that the divorce rate is almost identical between the church and the world? While the world's view may be to date around as much as you want, that's not the way it's to be done. In society, we gain our value through being with someone. It makes us feel complete, which is quite strange. Thoughts that come up. I can't show up alone. What will everyone think? Hmm. I can't have everyone staring at me when I walk in alone. I must have someone on my arm. You know, we, we jokingly say that someone, if they're not with someone, we call them a third wheel. We say it in a way that's almost derogatory, that something might be wrong with them. See, society from the earliest ages wants to couple us off. It is seen uh, as if it is some type of reward or trophy that one goes about to establish their own worth, making them feel complete. But we know in Colossians 2.10 says, In Christ have you been brought to fullness. The New King James says you are complete in Christ. So you don't need someone on your arm, by your side, showing up with you to try to be impressive to be complete. I said years ago to my son that many times it's almost as if it's another notch on the belt. And I told him, we're not going to live, we're not going to participate this way. Why do we try to get uh, worth or, or establish our worth at our heart's expense instead of receiving who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, and letting God's word strengthen our heart. See, the first step, or what I'd call a, a, a big part of him uh, in the, the courting process, dating process, is we need to discover the character of the person before we make any type of commitment with him and or her. And anytime I say the word boyfriend or girlfriend, we're going to say it's interchangeable because I know my audience is going to be on both sides. But this allows you to keep your heart protected and the other person's heart protected as well. As parents, we have a main responsibility to raise our children. The primary thing of raising our children is for them to fall in love with Jesus and become born again. We would all agree with this. This relationship is to be a number one. Then at that point, we are to protect that heart because you give your heart only to Jesus at an early age. Our heart is then guarded until the day that we make covenant with our spouse and covenant with God in holy matrimony. See, Eve came from the rib of Adam. Hmm. Think about it. You know, the part that covered his heart. Wow. 
She did not come from a bone from his head to dominate him. She did not come from a bone in his foot for him to step on her and to hold her down. But it came from a rib, the part to protect the heart. So therefore, when you become married and you become one flesh, that heart is now fully protected with Jesus and the spouse. See, the perfect marriage is that of a triangle. You're side by side, your joint heirs together. Now that rib is now covered as you're made one flesh with Jesus at the top of the pyramid, or we could say triangle. So maybe I got a little ahead of myself, so now let's look at the dating process. First, we are discovered the character of a person before investing a lot of time. <laughs> you know, uh, it keeps the emotions out of play, yeah, from us getting hurt, them getting hurt. You know, Jesus said you must be born again. So it's real simple. We got to find out the character. Are they born again? In the last year, I speak to people uh, as much moving as I have done and lived in different states. I speak to a lot of people throughout the nation. And I'm not talking about people outside of the, the family of God. I'm talking about spiritually sound, mature Christians, those that are actually in leadership in their local churches. Several of them have children that are dating. My first question to them always is, is he, she born again? I've heard answers that I've received from sound Christians, mature Christians. Well, they're from a good family. And I'm like, what? Okay. My response is a little bewildered. Is he, she born again? Recently, last six months, someone told me, well, their family's Catholic. The parents make good money. And I'm, in my mind, it's like Charlie Brown, blah, blah, blah. Why is it so difficult? Real simple, are they born again? That should be first step, top importance. Do we see how we're setting our children up for, for problems? Are we seeing why the divorce rate is very similar? Another response that I've received, well, he's a good guy. And I'm like, what? Folks, is he born again? Well, he treats our daughter nice. And I'm like, really? What is good? What is nice? What does it have to do with anything? We need from the very start of the first meeting, real simple, are they born again? Are they Christ-minded? Philippians 2.5 says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. If the mindset is not Christ Jesus, guess what? Get out. Don't get involved. This, it has to start here. If it doesn't start here, it's not going to get better. And you think, well, maybe something could work out. Folks, do not fall for missionary dating meaning you think you're going to get them saved. Second big question. <laughs> I throw this one out there, and this one is like, uh, I get a look, it's like a deer in the headlights when a car's coming at a deer, like, woo! But this one just kind of just puzzles people. I will ask them, are they going to get married? <laughs> I've had parents, Christian parents, leaders in their local churches say, I hope not. And I'm, immediately I'm thinking, you don't always, once again, you don't always say what you think. I'm thinking, then what are they doing? 
Maybe I'm getting a little animated. I had one person tell me probably a couple of years ago, I hope not. And the follow-up question was, do you know the age of my daughter? She's 15. She's, one person said either 14 or 15. And I'm thinking, then what are we doing? Because the ultimate goal of dating or courtship is finding a life partner. Mm. If you're not ready to become married, why are you putting yourself in a position to hurt your heart and their heart? Now, I want to quote my daughter, and she knows that I'm quoting her and I ask for permission. My daughter's reply has been, when she's been asked by others, I don't have time for dating. I have way too much going on with church, school, work, and I've seen how it destroys friendships. Direct quote. She also continued, I've seen even in new youth where people can't even speak after they break up. That friends that were friends of one or the other are not supposed to, to speak now because it might hurt the other one's feelings. Is this healthy? This sounds like a divorce to me. Where you now you have to like pick sides of who you can speak to and who you can't. It is freedom for my daughter to enjoy this season that she is in without the pressure of having to date and show up with someone. This road will never be traveled again. It flat takes the pressure off. You don't have to have someone <laughs> to make you feel complete. You don't have to have a relationship that you're not ready for. It's okay. It doesn't matter what others say or what others are doing. You can keep your heart for Jesus. See, the Bible tells us that as Christians, we should not marry an unbeliever. I already quoted it earlier in the point number one, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 15. Because this would weaken our relationship with Christ and compromise our morals and standards. Now, I want to break it down real simple for you. See, society, or I could call the world system, which is the enemy system, is not for you to have success. His goal is real simple. His plan is simple, not complicated, steal, kill, and destroy. And it starts off at an early age. We have well-meaning family members. We've got aunts. We've got uncles. We've got grandparents. They say things like this. I bet all the girls are after you to a young man. How many girlfriends do you have? As if it's plural, like you're supposed to have many. I know you have lots of girlfriends. You have to. Wow, look how pretty you are, young girl. I bet all the boys are fighting after you. I bet all the boys are chasing you. What are we doing? The words that we are speaking, these are adults, these are leaders. Fill in the blank. These words are forcing them to couple up at the youngest of ages. We're coupling them off at five and six years old, encouraging them, I bet you've got a boyfriend. You're so cute. I bet you've got a girlfriend. Really? Why? See, this process continues year after year after year. Oh, you're in third grade. I bet you got a new girlfriend this year. Bet you got a new boyfriend this year. What's his name? What's her name? These are from family members. These are from leaders. What are we doing? See, this process continues, and we're training them to think that they have to be with someone to be complete. We're training them to do it. I had to tell family members years ago with my son, 
to never ask about a girlfriend. <laughs> you would have thought I had committed an unpardonable sin. You would have thought that I had lost my mind to even say that to family members. How unfair I was. How non-fun I was. How could I be so strict? See, in many cases, by the time you get to high school, there have been many boy girlfriends. There are kids that have actually taken their life over a breakup. See, we are to love the Lord above all else. I've heard this stated by people at junior high, high school. I believe that this person, not going to say any names, is everything. They're the most important thing in my life. You'll have, you know, eighth graders, ninth graders, that you can't ask them to have plans. Well, I got to check with them as if you're married, like you're checking with your spouse. And yes, in Christian circles, Christian churches. So now, we have this relationship. And you might say, well, nothing really happened. But this is where you're wrong. Because each time a part of that heart is given away, each time that, that heart, your heart, which you're to protect, you're given to Jesus and protect, is getting hurt. So now we have years after years of small pieces of the heart being given away. As I said earlier, many divorces, maybe not in the eyes of the law. Some kids can't even eat afterwards. Some can't even socialize. That heart, time after time, becomes hardened. After a while, what's going to come next? The body's going to follow. It's the way it works. Now, see, we've concentrated on wanting to make sure that we, we keep them apart. We want to try to put these walls up, but we don't tell them to don't put themselves in the first place and be in love with Jesus. That's where the start is, having them fall in love with Jesus. And peace after peace after peace, because your body's never going to go where your heart has not already gone. Hello. So the question may be, how am I supposed to date? <laughs> You're telling me I'm not supposed to, and I'm starting to understand that. Question number one, are you ready for a mate? If not, stop. Just don't do it. If you are ready, then proceed. Seek God. Let God bring someone into your life. Have your spiritual antenna up. If you're a guy, you're to find a wife, a godly wife. And if you're a woman, be praying that that person will come across and your spiritual antennas up on the inside. You're knowing this, this, could be, this, this, this might be right. When you approach someone, it does not take weeks, months, years of dating. That is the world's way. You know, we got to see if it works. Almost like you're going to get a car and you got to have a test drive. You know, maybe we'll move in together. Let's play house together. I get it. But see, since you're born again, you have the Spirit of God on the inside. You have the small inner witness. So you take the time, you talk with them, you get to know them. You check on the inside of your heart. Is this someone that I can see myself getting married to? And after a couple, few times, you know immediately, is this worth pursuing? Is this a potential mate that I can, that I can, that I can hook up with, that we can move forward with? If there's any check in your heart, get out, stop. Don't go any further. Don't continue to, to let their heart get involved and your heart get involved. 
I have personally told my children, since they are under my spiritual authority, that I would also know if the person was right for them as well. Now, you may think that's going a little too hard. Why am I that way? I want to help protect their heart. See, everything really comes from the heart. What I try to prevent is that they're not allowing the junk and pollution of this world to impact their heart so that when they do find their spouse and they do make covenant with their spouse and with God in holy matrimony, they're giving them a pure heart and it can start from a very pure standpoint. The amount of emotional baggage that people bring into marriages is huge. Look at all the counseling before and after. I'm trying to help prevent that. So I want to re repeat, I will admit, as I've walked through this, I've questioned many times, Rick, are you being too harsh? Are you being too strict? I'll give you a real example. My son was traveling as a missionary. He started saying around 27 years old, and you can have what you say. We're a word of faith church. Of course you can. But he started saying, I will be married before I'm 30 years old. He was around 28 at the time. Uh, I received a phone call from him. He goes, I found someone, and we're going to meet for supper as a date. As he told me, I checked my heart, and it felt good to me and the Holy Ghost because I immediately checked my heart to see if I had to check. Didn't even know who the person was. They're in another country. A few months later, let me fast forward a little bit. She comes to town with her family. Her dad and her, and her come to my office to get to meet me alone, just the two of them and me. He wanted to know a little bit about me. We started to talk, and her name is Melly, who's now my wife's, my son's wife. And Melly told me, she goes, I'd like to tell you about her first date. She said, I first thought he was a jerk. But now, as I've gotten to know him more, and have seen him grow, I see how important God is to him, and I love him for it. Melly said they sat down at their first date, and before ordering, the menus were presented. My son took the menus and said, let's just talk. I want to just talk with you. He knew that she was born again because he's a missionary, and he, she was translating for him as he was teaching and preaching in another country. So that part was what he knew worked which I said is step number one, are they born again? She, of course, you know, romantic, it's a date. She expected Rich to ask questions along the, along the lines of, what are you interested in? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? You know, short talk to get to know each other. My son jumped in passionately. What is God speaking to you? What has God been speaking to you? What is on your heart about ministry? Can you leave your parents if God were to say move? Can you pack up and move halfway around the world if God says go to the nations? Her thoughts, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Wow, such a jerk. As she was telling this story, tears flooded to my eyes. Because now, at his age, of all those years of teaching where he's a grown man, he could do whatever he wanted. But he knew he, he had received 
that he was to treat this lady in the courtship process and how at the age of 28. I explained to her that I told him to never play the field, that you aren't to date around. You will know if it is worth pursuing after a date or two. You are to protect your heart above all else. This keeps the emotions from both of you being damaged. And then you present your heart to your bride on the day of your wedding, a heart that is, belongs to Jesus and now also belongs to you on your wedding day. At the wedding, I literally bawled. Knowing that God was faithful, even though I had doubts that I'd been a little too strict. But God was faithful to honor his word and bring the best for my son. I am sure everyone at the wedding could not believe how Jen and I cried and cried. But it was the assurance that God was giving us because I had questioned, had I been too strict, that God opened the veil of showing us his goodness and truly what a Christian marriage can be and should be. In closing, my challenge to you is to check your heart. Who are you fellowshipping with and partnering with? Make sure that you are in complete agreement with what they stand for. And if it is from a Christian perspective. My last challenge is to take a new look at courtship. If you are a family member, please stop reinforcing this coupling at a young age. So watch your words. We all have a, play to, a part to play in this. I trust the Holy Spirit will seal my words spoken in your heart. I trust the Holy Spirit will bring it up over and over. As the Holy Spirit brings it to your remembrance, I trust you will make the necessary adjustments that are needed. Lastly, you will always, and I encourage you to always protect Guard your heart because out of your heart will spring all the issues of life. I thank you for listening and be a part, and I trust the Holy Spirit is dealing with you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's Word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the Giving tab. We hope to see you soon.